Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, a podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Smash, or I'm sorry, you can follow him at ASD underscore Hokiesmash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he introduces our guest, uh, Brian Harris. Okay, I see you there, Bryson. Brian, uh, we're all set to go here. Welcome back to This Week in the ACC. This is the podcast of AllSportsDiscussion.com. This is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States. And tonight, as Jeff said, we have a great return guest. This week, we have Brian Harrison on the show. You can follow Brian on Twitter at BH underscore Orange 44. He's a graduate of Syracuse 2005. He went to the Western New England University School of Law. He's graduated from there in 2009. He is an attorney. He's originally from the upstate of New York. He blogs about Syracuse University at orange44.blogspot.com. He's also an, uh, an official for uh, football and lacrosse. So we've kind of buzzed a lot through your background. Brian, anything that you want to add, the floor is yours. Thank you for joining us, Brian. Appreciate you having me uh, again, guys. It's always fun to talk to you, uh, get gearing up for the football season. Uh, nothing really to plug, just uh, it's BH underscore Orange 44 on all the socials, and uh, looking forward to talking with you guys. So before we get to football, Brian, we want to get your take on the Syracuse men's basketball season for 2022-2023. The floor is yours. Uh, do we have to? No. It's <laughs> uh, yeah, no, It's uh, they obviously didn't finish the way they wanted to or they really even should have. Uh, they rallied in early February, uh, culminating with a win against uh, number 22 NC State in the Dome, but then they rattled off four losses um, uh, up until they won their last home game of the year against Wake Forest. That weekend, they celebrated the t anniversary of the 2003 National Championship team. Uh, they all came out, including Carmelo Anthony, back to the to the to the dome, and and it was a great ceremony. And uh, it, that turned out to be Jim Beheim's last game. He would coach in the dome, and he gave uh, his de facto retirement speech in front of everyone. Um, and then uh, Syracuse in the ACC tournament basically lost to that same Wake Forest team in a buzzer beater uh, the next Wednesday. Uh, and that was the end of Jim Beheim. Um, personally, I thought Jim Beheim should have uh, been given one more season uh, just to see if he could back, get back to the NCAA tournament, announce that, have a succession plan in place, and let all the fans know about it. Um, and I know Jim Beheim would not have done the Coach K, like, you know, retirement tour thing where all these other teams, uh, you know, would give him gifts and celebrate him. Uh, you know, that's not something he would want or, or uh, even desire. Um, but it would have been nice for the fans to be able to kind of have that closure of a final season. And especially if he would have ended on a, a better note in the NCAA tournament or something like that. Um, you know, Syrac uh, Syracuse being Syracuse, I think they did botch the announcement the way it happened. Um, you know, maybe Jim Beheim deserves some of that blame for not working it out ahead of time and basically saying, well, yeah, I'm done uh, to to uh, reporters at the ACC tournament presser. But uh, the way it worked out, 
you know, it, it was over then. And, and luckily the university made it right by having a press conference uh, later that week uh, announcing Red Autry taking over. And Jim Beheim was able to, to again, have kind of a speech and, and say what he wanted to say and say that he's happy that, you know, it's Red that's getting the job and, uh, you know, taking it over. And, and so that's fine. Uh, it's just typical Syracuse, though, kicking own goals uh, when they could make things much smoother and, and clearer for the fans and, and not look, uh, you know, even have an appearance of incompetence, but that's, that's Syracuse for you. Uh, but all that being said, the future does look pretty bright uh, in the interim, in the near future. All the players from the highly touted freshman class of last season are back, including uh, point guard Judah Mintz, uh, who uh, declared for the draft but didn't hire an agent so he was able to come back um he's uh, poised to have a breakout year uh syracuse has arguably got the best player out of the portal uh from notre dame and jj starling who's a, another guard giving syracuse arguably now the best backcourt in the acc um syracuse lost center jesse edwards to west virginia which uh bad mistake on his part, I guess, but uh, also Joe Girard at Clemson, uh, which means Syracuse needs to replace the scoring of both of them, but they seem ready to do that. And, uh, you know, they should do better this season. And I think it's more likely than not at this point before they've played any of the games that, that it's, uh, it's more likely than not that they'll make it back to the NCAA tournament this season. And I think you're right. I mean, you brought up a really good point about Bayheim do it, you know, not, not doing the, uh, the tour around the ACC because he'd probably get gift certificates to like Bojangles and the cookout <laughs> and all these. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jeff. Denny's. He's a Denny's man. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you're up, friend. It's time to turn to 2023 Syracuse football. All right. Thank you, Matthew. And uh, glad to be talking Syracuse football with you, Brian. Well, good to be talking about it with you as well. All right. So what are some of the major strengths coming back for Syracuse football this year? Uh, number one has got to be the running backs. Uh, it should be a strong group for Syracuse. The expected starter is uh, LaQuint Allen. Uh, he's recently been reinstated to the team, uh, which I'll actually expound on in the, the final segment we have together. Um, but uh they also just picked up a fairly promising Juco transfer in J.J. Bronham, uh, along with the other returning players that, that were in uh, at Syracuse last season. Obviously, it's uh, big to, re to replace uh, Sean Tucker from last season. Uh, you know, clearly some NBA talent on his part and, and one of the best running backs Syracuse has had since, you know, probably Rob Conrad. Um uh, I'm, I'm glossing over a lot of great running backs that Syracuse has had in the last few years, but uh, he was an exceptional talent and uh, really kind of carried the team the last, no pun intended, the last couple of years. Um, so the running backs should be a big strength of Syracuse this season coming in. Uh, additionally, Syracuse has experience coming back at QB. Obviously Garrett Schrader is going to be coming back uh, and he'll be the expected starter. Um, but more importantly than Garrett Schrader coming back is probably the offensive line. Uh, they should already have a good idea of who the starting five are going to be heading into training camp. Uh, they've got a lot of experience, uh, experienced players coming back, but also um, just players that have been in the system on the uh, lower end of the depth chart that are going to be moving up and, and 
going to be competent backups, uh, as well as a couple of transfers out of the portal coming in. So it should be a really talented group, more than more so than Syracuse has had maybe the last three or four seasons. Uh, and that should hopefully allow Schrader the time to throw the ball, but also the running backs the, the space to run as well. All right, let's go to the flip side, Brian. Um, what are some of the major weaknesses do you think will be on uh, will be on the Syracuse team? In other words, what do you think the Orange will be working on in August before that first game? And what are the questions that you think have to be resolved to have a successful season? I mean, the, the big questions are going to be on the defensive side for this team uh, coming in. Uh, for the first time in several years, uh, it's going to be probably the biggest question is going to be the linebacking core. Uh, they lost a lot of talent uh, that's been pretty consistent pipeline of, of good players the last few years. Um, both due to graduation and declarations for the draft. Um, so Syracuse will have to bring that next group up quickly. Um, there's not many returning players that, that were starters last season on Syracuse on the defensive side, but especially the linebackers. And so they're going to have to make a, an impact immediately. They're going to have to step up, uh, you know, as soon as training camp's over, they're, they're going to be on the, the line. And so, you know, the, the major questions are, is, the, is that group ready to be the starters? Are they up to the task? You know, Syracuse had a lot of success last season creating turnovers, uh, both on special teams, but especially, uh, you know, tip passes and, and interceptions, things like that. But that all starts with a good pass rush as well. And, you know, without a question on the defensive side of the ball for the last three, four seasons, the linebackers have been the key to Syracuse, not only, uh, you know, winning games, but staying in games because more often than not, even before Schrader got there, or whatever the off the Syracuse offense would, you know, barely do enough to get them in a game, but it was really the defense that had to make stops and create turnovers to keep Syracuse in the game or winning. And, you know, frankly, that's kind of how they had a couple of disaster seasons before last year uh, in that, you know, Syracuse needed some help on offense, because the defense was the only show in town. Now it's kind of, a, it's not quite the reverse exactly in that situation, but it's, you know, the offense is fairly solid and, you know, you're going to count on Syracuse scoring at least, you know, I, I would get, you know, guess 20, 30, 35 points a game. Uh, but it's going to be the question of, can the defense stop teams from then eclipsing that? Uh, and so Syracuse had some really good players last year. They got some good fourth down stops. Uh, they kept, uh, you know, teams out of field goal range, and that kept Syracuse in a lot of games early in the season uh, and allowed them to put that winning streak together. And so the, the major question is, will they be able to do that this season? And that's uh, frankly to be determined because I'm not sure if they're, uh, you know, ready to be handling the teams that they're going to be facing, like a Clemson, a UNC, a Virginia Tech. Um, you know, they should be able to handle, obviously, Colgate week one, uh, but the real test is going to be coming up, you know, obviously in the meat of the ACC. All right. Um, let's look at the roster uh, um, with some of the recruits and transfer portal additions. Brian, who, who are the new recruits or players um, from the transfer portal that have impressed you the most uh, so far through the spring and summer? And, and are there any that you think will get major playing time right away? Uh, well, I can tell you, I doubt it's going to be any of the recruits. <laughs> uh, Syracuse, while they're recruiting, uh, you know, well enough to compete in some of these games, they're, they're not, you know, the top of the ACC. They're not pulling in guys that are going to be 
playing right away. But they did do what I would consider exceptionally well in terms of what they have been doing in the portal. Um, and the two that come to mind first are, are quarterback transfer, Braden Davis, who uh, is very likely to be the uh, second QB on the depth chart behind Garrick Schrader to start the year. Um, while he didn't see, he came in from South Carolina and while he didn't really see the field down there, he's a highly tattered recruit. Uh, he's likely to develop under the new offensive coordinator at Syracuse, Jason Beck, who was uh, promoted from quarterbacks coach. So he has experience bringing up quarterbacks. He's obviously done uh, great strides with Garrett, Schra Garrett Schrader, excuse me. Uh, and so it, it would lead me to believe that that would then also apply to Brennan Davis as he's kind of maturing and, and uh, learning a new system. And so there won't be a lot of pressure on him to come in and win right away. He'll be, like I said, the backup quarterback likely to start. Uh, and that should give him time to progress. And you probably see him obviously in garbage time um, in some games, but, you know, should anything happen to Schrader, which, uh, you know, has in the past, he's ha he's been injured for halves or a game or two in the previous few seasons that should likely allow him to come in and at least be competent and, and, and not derail a game. Should he be in the, in the, in the game. Uh, and then second would be uh wide receiver, Jaleel Martin, who transferred from Nebraska. Uh, that should give an, another instant boost to the wide receiver group, which is already a pretty good group at Syracuse, to be honest. Aranda Gadsden, who is, I think, officially listed as a tight end, but I think on all the Syracuse media, he's listed as tight end slash wide receiver. Uh, but he was prolific last season and the number one target for Schrader. Uh, and uh, so this should provide a second option for Schrader to throw to, and he's likely to, uh, you know, be a deep threat as well. So Schrader will have some options in the passing game a little more than he has in the last couple of years, or at least last season, because uh, it, while it wasn't a Ronda Ganson or nothing, uh, you know, at least it will be, uh, take some pressure off of him to be the major playmaker on the wide receiver core. And uh, he should have some nice games. And I think Schrader will appreciate having at least another consistent target to be able to throw to who he can trust. All right, Brian, uh, let's look at the schedule a little bit for Syracuse. What are the two most important games, uh, most pivotal games uh, that you think Syracuse has this season? And analyze those two games for us, you know, your feeling here in, in July before the season starts. And then give us what you think Syracuse's overall record will be. All right, so uh, looking at the schedule, I think probably the, the first – important game that's going to come up is their third game uh, where they travel to Purdue. Uh, Syracuse managed to beat Purdue by three in the Carrier, or carrier Dome. I'm, I'm going to probably keep saying that, but just because I'm used to saying it for 22 years. Uh, the JMA Wireless Dome uh, is uh, where they played that game, and they ended up winning by three. Um, it was kind of a surprise win, and I say that not because, you know, it's kind of shocking that Syracuse would beat a Purdue, but just the, the fact that um, you know, obviously coming into the season from from the previous year, uh, not many people, especially analysts outside of uh, regular Syracuse viewers or fans, would have thought that there's no way Syracuse would have been able to hang in that game. Uh, but they did. They ended up winning, uh, held on. Um, 
And so now it'll be interesting to see this season after Syracuse won at Syracuse, them the third week of the season traveling out to Purdue. Purdue's got a brand new coach this year. Uh, this will really be the first true test for Syracuse this coming season uh, because they open with, uh, in the Carrier Dome with Colgate, uh, which is a 1AA game or a FCS game um, to start. And then uh, they have Western Michigan coming in, which uh, obviously Syracuse should, I would, you know, one would expect Syracuse to be in a MAC school. Um, so, uh, and it's in Syracuse. So the real test to start the year would be at Purdue. Can they hang with Purdue again? Uh, will they be able to steal a road win, beat a, a Big Ten team, and and kind of continue the season, start the year off right, start the year off 3-0, and uh, and and kind of propel them to hopeful success later on as the season goes on. Um, and then the other game that is kind of noteworthy, uh, I would say, is the Pittsburgh game. Uh, in November, November 11th, that game is actually being played in Yankee Stadium um, for, I believe, the 100th anniversary of football being played in Yankee Stadium. Uh, and so that's mostly noteworthy for that. But also Pittsburgh is a uh, traditional rival of Syracuse. Uh, pretty much all that's left for Syracuse traditional football rivalries is Pittsburgh and Boston College. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's a game that uh, I think most fans still of Syracuse kind of circle on the list um, just because of the fact that they played each other so many years uh, so often. And frankly, the schools are, are geographically fairly close still compared to the other schools in the ACC now. Um, so uh, that's, you know, mostly why it's noteworthy, but obviously it's an important conference game later in the season. Um, Syracuse played in the Yankee Stadium last in 2018 during the regular season against Notre Dame, and that didn't go well. That was basically, I think, Syracuse's only loss in the regular season. I think maybe they lost to Clemson or one other game, but it, the, Syracuse had a stellar season in 2018, ended up with 10 wins at the end of the year. Um, but Notre Dame was one of those games that did not go well, as you might expect, it is Notre Dame after all. Uh, but Syracuse really didn't hang in that game, uh, mostly because their quarterback was knocked out, uh, Eric Dungey. So uh, that's kind of the history of Syracuse in the regular season in Yankee Stadium. But more recently, Syracuse in December played in the pinstripe bowl against Minnesota and lost that one. Uh, mostly, in my opinion, due to the fact that a lot of players sat out due to the draft and things like that. For instance, Sean Tucker didn't play in that game, um, so that <laughs> kind of hindered their chances. But uh, that's kind of a noteworthy game in, in the position it is in the season. It's a conference game, uh, and you know, if Syracuse can't at least put up a good showing against Pittsburgh at that point in the season, depending on the record, uh, that may doom them uh, for going to a bowl game at the end. Um, but it's in fact, it's a longtime rival uh, and Syracuse lost to Pittsburgh last season at in Pittsburgh. Uh, so that's what makes it noteworthy. Uh, but in terms of the overall schedule, I think they fare slightly better this season than they did last year in terms of the regular season at seven. I think they go seven and five, uh, 
you know, basically they lose to who you think they will and in Clemson, UNC, who I think is going to be probably really good in the league this year in Florida State. But everything else, honestly, I think is kind of up for grabs in my mind. I mean, uh, it's not as hard of a schedule as Syracuse faced last season. Obviously, Syracuse did really well to start the year and then kind of the wheels fell off the bus and they limped to the end, uh, making a bowl game. Uh, but so they start out with Colgate, Western Michigan, that Purdue game that we talked about, and then Army in the in the dome. Uh, so in theory, Syracuse can go four and zero there. They could go three and one. They could go two and two. Um, and then they've got a tough stretch at the end of September into October with Clemson uh, at North Carolina and at Florida State, uh, which will be a rough stretch for for Syracuse and and. You know, frankly, I think they'll be lucky to get out of there healthy. Um, I expect them to maybe compete at Florida State. They always kind of seem to play tough against Florida State and then eventually lose. So I have a feeling that's how it'll probably similarly go. Um, North Carolina, obviously, they've got a stellar quarterback coming back. I just don't know if Syracuse will be able to handle them at North Carolina. Um, and then after the Florida State game, October 26th, they've got Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech. Uh, I think it was... Two years ago, uh, Garrett Schrader basically single-handedly won that game on a huge touchdown pass uh, near the end of the game. So that should be an interesting kind of rematch against Virginia Tech. Um, And then uh, Syracuse always plays Boston College, so they've got Boston College coming in. Syracuse kind of smoked them at Boston College last year, so that should be an interesting game. Uh, That Pittsburgh game, and then they finish the season at Georgia Tech and then Wake Forest in the Carrier Dome. Uh, excuse me, in the dome. I'm going to keep doing it. Um, <laughs> but Wake Forest will be an interesting matchup. They kind of got uh, smoked at Wake Forest last year. And Georgia Tech, you know, Georgia Tech really hasn't been good in the last four or five years. Um, I don't think they give Syracuse a big problem, but Syracuse has never really played well at Georgia Tech. So that's kind of a question too. But I do think with all those win, uh, with all those games in the in the mix, it'll be seven and five. It's just kind of a question of, where they come from. All right, Brian, I'm going to turn it over to you now, Matthew, for the last couple questions in the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. So here's the, here's the big question, Brian. I mean, it's been a while, while with your coach there, he's been there for, been there for, been there for a while. Dino's been there for a while. What what are the Syracuse fans and bloggers thinking? Are they happy with the direction the program is going? Do they do they think that they could do better? Do they think, well, this is where our this is where our spot is in life? What's everybody thinking? Yeah, you know, I think it's similar to last year, uh, although not quite as dire. I think last last season it was very much, and I think. Uh, you know, Syracuse fans don't agree on a lot, but I think a lot of Syracuse fans thought that it was either Dino Babers gets to a bowl game or he's out. Uh, and that is even regardless of the huge uh, contract extension that he signed a, a couple of years ago. Um, you know, I don't know how realistic it would be for Syracuse to buy him out, but I think enough fans would have demanded it if he didn't get to a bowl game last season. Uh, but he did, uh, he delivered a good season, obviously not an eight or nine win season, but you know, making a bowl game is making a bowl game. And, and for a, a team like Syracuse, which is, you know, when I was in college at Syracuse, at least the first, my freshman summer year, 
which was 2001-2002, kind of the end of the Coach P era, the question at Syracuse was always, what bowl game are we going to? Not, are we going to a bowl game? Uh, and that hasn't been the case for 20 years now. So, you know, the fact that he made a bowl game is good. He needs to. He's supposed to. Um, and it's realistic to expect that Syracuse, while Syracuse is still Syracuse, and, you know, everyone outside of the program can think whatever they want about Syracuse, but it's not unreasonable to think Syracuse should be making a bowl game two out of three seasons or three out of four seasons. Um, and so he did that. Uh, but now it, it's, it, you know, to use the analogy of <laughs> of uh, the legal profession, it's uh, that's basically a stay rather than a pardon. Um, you know, he's got to show that he can string two winning seasons together, back to back bowls, two or three bowls in a row. Um to really, I think, bring people back around to him. Um, he's doing really well getting players out of the portal, and recruiting probably isn't where it could or should be, but it isn't a disaster either. It's actually kind of been a slow uptick of improvement the last couple of seasons. Uh, you know, Syracuse is in a tough spot to win, um, but support's coming around. The facilities are good, and they're, they're still improving. Um, they're not, you know, Clemson level or major state school level, but for a, for a, you know, fairly small private school in the Northeast, they're good facilities. It's they're at least where they, uh, have to be, uh, and, and they are doing things to improve. Um, I think for teams like Syracuse that aren't like Alabama or Ohio state, it's almost like, you know, you're making a movie. It's, it's hard to make a good movie and any number of things can go wrong as you're making it. It's, you know, uh, the script sucks or the director sucks, or, you know, we didn't pay for the right film or whatever. There's so many things can go wrong and everything has to go right for it to be good. And, and that's kind of the position that a lot of these kind of middle teams are in and Syracuse just needs to keep sticking with it get a few good seasons in a row and, and slowly work their way up because, you know, f football is one of those things like you, you, if you can put together, you can put together 20 good seasons in a row, but one bad season like Syracuse had in with Greg Robinson in like 2005, where they went like one and 11, I think, or whatever it was, uh, you know, that destroys all of the momentum and destroys everything you've built up and it's just gone. Um, and so, you know, Dino Babers, as I think a good coach, he's doing well. I, I probably give him a little more of a leash than some fans do, but either way, he he did what he needed to do. He made a bowl game. I think a lot of fans are feeling similar in that, okay, well, he made a bowl game. That's good. Uh, I don't want him fired, but now he needs to keep keep succeeding. And so that's kind of the question this year is, can he get back to a bowl game if he can? I think everyone will agree we're on the way up. We're, we're doing the right things and things are chugging along if not great at least good uh and so that's where we're at currently that's an excellent answer that's an excellent answer last question of the podcast brian open microphone what do you got for us the floor well i mentioned laquint allen earlier he's the starting running back for syracuse this season he was the backup to sean tucker last year and he was actually suspended and not even suspended uh well, I, he was suspended from the team, but he was suspended from Syracuse University uh, for a fight that happened off campus uh, between him and another student. And uh, from uh, now, I, I'm going to try and, uh, you know, I am a lawyer, so I'm going to say this is 
lawyerly and unbiased as I can, but from what I understand of the situation, from everything I've read and from the district attorney in Syracuse and a bunch of other people, the consensus of what happened was a another student started harassing LaQuint Allen and took a swing at LaQuint Allen. So the other students started this fight and started the violence, and then LaQuint Allen defended himself. Nobody was arrested, and nothing. nobody was injured, nothing happened. Now, Syracuse has a judicial board, I th and frankly, I think every college has one of these, where they've come up with some sort of system to determine student discipline. And, you know, every school's got a handbook and a code of conduct and all that. And so if you violate you know, or, you know, or alleged to have violated those things, then you go through the student process, which can be parallel or on top of whatever actual judicial process you go through with a, a local DA or court or whatever. And nothing happened in court in Syracuse. Nothing happened uh, with the DA's office, you know, and as a matter of fact, the DA gave interviews saying, well, as far as we're concerned, Mr. Allen was defending himself and we're not intending and have no intention of charging him with anything regardless of that this judicial panel at syracuse which i believe is made up of only students so in theory uh laquint allen's peers at syracuse decided to suspend him from the school and that suspension would have run through the summer and through the fall semester meaning that he would wouldn't be able to play um he sued the school uh, to to be reinstated to play because he's his point was, hey, everyone agrees I was defending myself and I didn't cause this fight and I didn't do anything illegal. So why am I being suspended for the year? Uh, the school settled the lawsuit and he's going to be reinstated and join the team at camp uh, in the middle of August and he'll be able to play this season. Um, but my overall point is that, like I said, basically every college in America has one of these boards. Uh, and you know, while at Syracuse, you're not allowed to have your own attorney. You're not allowed to basically defend yourself other than give a statement of your version of what happened. And they can either believe it or not. And whatever decision they make is whatever decision they make. And had LaQuint Allen not sued the school, he'd still be suspended and he'd be sitting out all season. Um, so, you know, it's worth kind of taking a note of, uh, you know, obviously none of us are in college anymore, but it's worth taking note of, you know, if we're, you're sending kids or, or, you know, you have relatives that are going to school or in school right now to be aware of what kind of disciplinary situation you, that school has, what your rights are, what you can do about it. And when a win in doubt, talk to an attorney because not to shill for my own profession, but it really does matter in cases like this where uh, you're kind of getting railroaded and, and situation isn't fair and, and you know, you kind of don't really have a recourse except to sue the school or whatever. Uh, and it's just a shame it got to that point because it shouldn't be. And I, I'm not sure what the students were thinking at Syracuse that suspended him for just defending himself. But uh, it's something to think about and take a look at. And, uh, you know, it's these situations come up every so often at big, big programs uh, with players getting suspended. So it's it's worth thinking about and, and uh and uh, keeping track of stuff like this. I'm with you 1000% that's happened at probably every college campus in the ACC. And I'm glad you brought up a great example, Brian. I'll be very quick with my open microphone. Be safe out there. 
we're under like a 39, it's like a 39th consecutive day, maybe 43rd consecutive day of a heat wave. It's covering about 75% of the United States. If you have to be outside, take breaks, drink water, get in the shade, do all these things that you're supposed to do to try to go out after hours if you can when the sun's when the sun's down it's really really dangerously hot out there and take care of yourself and that's all i have to say there jeff you're up friend the acc football media days uh week is upon us the big 12 had theirs a couple weeks ago sec pac 12 or last week uh acc is this week starting july 25th and going through the 27th um, i'm looking forward to that a couple things and I'm, i wrote this in a blog article that i want to hear uh, about this week i want to hear uh, jim phillips talk a little bit about the revenue issues that's going to always going to keep coming up until he puts together a little more concrete plan that people, you know, we know they've worked with consultants and they've alluded to different things here and there, but, um, you know, we know that week is the week is supposed to focus on football and the players, but, uh, if he could put a few concrete words together on that, that would be uh, positive. In my opinion, uh, I'd like to see the, some unity, even if it's, may not actually be real if it, it may be manufactured but uh, i think publicly uh having the, the schools have another repeat of the spring meetings is a bad look for the acc uh and also if you're espn or any other you know company looking to invest in the acc uh, you don't want to hear the conference infighting with themselves it doesn't do anyone any good we know uh teams have their own self-interest you know, there's no doubt about it and, and going to do what's best for them in the end. But publicly, I think it would do to conference good that the, the ACC schools uh, show some unity. I uh, want to hear some comments on, on NIL. Where's the ACC on that? And then some of the players, I'm particularly interested in what they have to say. Uh, players like Jordan Travis at Florida State, who I think, um, you know, with all due respect to Drake May, I think is the best quarterback uh returning in the ACC this year. He's going to be a Heisman contender and Florida state has a, has a chance, you know, certainly to win the ACC and make, make the playoffs that open the season with LSU. Um, Cade Klubnik there at Clemson. How, how's the, you know, new offensive system from Garrett Riley? Uh, you know, how's he feel about it? How's he learning it? Um, you know, he, he's going to have a fair amount of pressure on him. You know, Clemson's had fairly subpar quarterbacking uh, the last two years under DJ Uyunglele, and, you know, they're going to be looking to get back to those Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson type type quarterbacks uh, that they had previously under Klubnitz. So there's, you know, there's no shortage of pressure on him. And then Drake, Drake May, we know he's as talented as he is, uh, North Carolina did not end the season uh, on a high note last year. Uh, they struggled down the stretch uh, after that nine and uh, one start, I believe it was. He looked like he was headed to New York uh, for the Heisman Trophy presentation, at least to be one of the finalists. And the season just kind of went uh, south on North Carolina and Drake May. We know he's super talented. 
Uh, so I'm, I'm interested to hear what he has to say. So, yeah, looking forward to ACC Football Media Days. Uh, this week should be a lot of fun, and that's that's the official start of the football, you know, getting down into the home stretch before the season begins. Well said, Jeff. Well said, Jeff. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us on the, this edition of the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show, and we would love to have you come on during the season. Yeah, I appreciate you guys inviting me as always. And anytime you, uh, anytime you guys want, feel free to give me a ring. All right. Have a great week, guys. Take care.